Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome. Well, we're hurtling towards the end of the year, so today I wanted to offer you something a little bit different. I'm going to be diving into the mailbag and answering some of your questions on how to study smart and ace your exams. Let's get started. The first question I want to talk about is what to do if you get stuck while you're studying. We've all been there. You just can't seem to wrap your head around that tricky concept or topic. Now, there are lots of reasons for why you might have got stuck and consequently several techniques for getting unstuck. And this is an area I often talk about with some of my VIP coaching clients who see me every week about how they're studying. But a couple of the strategies I've most commonly found helpful for getting unstuck are zooming in and zooming out. Zooming in works because a topic can feel hard when we don't understand the details, when it's, there's too much unfamiliar jargon, too many details that just seem alien to us. If that's the case, zoom in. Focus intently on that vocabulary or technical terminology you don't understand, or perhaps specific actions in a math solution. Isolate those individual elements, those individual bits and pieces, those nuts and bolts that don't make sense, and do some focused work on them. For example, it might help to spend some time memorising any unfamiliar vocabulary or terminology, so that when you go back and reread the topic again, suddenly much more of the topic makes sense because you now understand the words. So that's zooming in, but other times it can be more the big picture that's the problem. If that's the case, try zooming out. Create a visual map for the topic that lays out the big building blocks nice and clearly so that you understand how the details of the topic fit into the whole picture. You can see the whole thing at once. For big meaty topics, I like to use big paper so that I can see how the whole topic fits together at a glance. So you could even consider treating yourself to some A3 paper if it's available wherever you get your stationery. Sometimes it might be a combination of zooming out and looking at the big picture as well as focusing intently on those details you don't understand by zooming in that will allow you to crack full understanding of the topic and get unstuck. Question two is about getting enough sleep. I often see questions about problem sleeping when I'm browsing around on study motivation forums and groups, and it's something I get emails about from time to time too. One such message read, I'm quite notorious for the amount of time I can sleep, sometimes 12 to 17 hours straight. I've also been a bit of an insomniac, so often I'm not falling asleep till 2 to 4 a.m. and then I have to be up and ready for my class at 8 a.m. Sounds tough. And the first thing I'd say is uh, a few words of comfort, because problems getting into good habits sleeping, either sleeping too much or sleeping too little, are very common. So you're far from alone. But it can be a real worry too. So I'd very quickly add that if sleep or lack of it is causing you significant problems in your life, I'd strongly advise uh, you to consult medical help. 
But I don't want to leave you completely empty-handed on this question. So as long as you promise me you will go and seek qualified support if things are starting to get bad, I can make a few suggestions which may help you get started on getting a good night's sleep uh, for for more milder cases of sleep problems uh, that may be particularly helpful as your exam stress starts to creep up. So here are three tips I've found most effective in my personal experience. Perhaps the most important is to stick to a regular sleep schedule. So go to bed and wake up at the same time each day. And yes, even at weekends, uh, it'll take a bit of discipline at first. Um, You may be used to setting an alarm to wake you up in the morning. That's great, but sleep scientists would often suggest that it's just as important, perhaps more important, to set a bedtime notification as well. So a daily reminder at the same time each day when it's time to stop working and start winding down for bedtime. Which brings me on to my second tip, which is don't expect to lurch straight from study mode into going to sleep. You do need, I think, a buffer zone in which you can relax and unwind so that you're ready for bed. The more stressed you're feeling, the longer I'd say allowing for that buffer zone between work and sleep. I'd say absolute minimum of half an hour normally, but often an hour might be much better. And if it's the night before an exam and you're more likely to be a bit anxious, I'd suggest leaving a couple of hours, a good amount of time to properly calm down between finishing studying and going to bed. Do be disciplined with yourself about this and make sure you finish your studies early enough to allow for this time to wind down and decompress. For example, if you've got a big exam tomorrow and you want to go to bed at 10pm, you might aim to wrap up work by 8pm that evening so that you've got that nice couple of hours winding down in which you might want to take an evening walk, draw yourself a hot bath, or just read something relaxing, maybe accompanied by a soothing hot drink. The final thing I wanted to mention on getting enough sleep is related to that point about hot drinks. Late in the day, aim to choose drinks that don't have caffeine in them. Try to avoid drinking tea, coffee, and caffeinated energy drinks and colas from sort of early afternoon onwards, because the caffeine they contain can stay in your system for around nine hours. If you go to bed with caffeine in your system, even if you manage to actually fall asleep, you won't be sleeping as well or as deeply, so you're more likely to wake up groggy the next morning. By the way, if you want to get deeper into the fascinating science of sleep and how to get enough of it, I'd highly recommend uh, Matthew Walker's outstanding and highly readable book on why we sleep, which I put a link to uh, in the show notes. The third question I want to talk about is how to take lecture notes. This has been a pretty common question I've been asked a few times recently, so I wanted to share some thoughts on the answer. The question comes in a variety of forms. Sometimes people are asking about taking notes in live lectures. Sometimes it's about making notes from your textbook. Sometimes it's about taking notes from pre-recorded talks or classes that you need to work through. Because of the variety in different circumstances, it's kind of a no one size fits all answer. There's no sort of perfect strategy that works for all circumstances. And so this is another thing I often find myself talking to my exam success coaching clients about, because investing the time in your note making strategy can reap really big rewards, particularly if you're going to be spending potentially hundreds of hours taking notes over your course. But today I wanted to share one powerful general principle, uh, which does apply to a lot of circumstances, which is to upgrade your boring old linear notes to deluxe Q&A notes. So what are Q&A notes? Well, rather than filling up the whole page with knowledge, you divide your page into a thinner left-hand column and a fatter right-hand column. 
You write your questions in the left-hand column and corresponding answers in the right-hand column. In other words, let's say you're listening to a live lecture. Every time you hear a bit of information that you want to note down, you split that bit of knowledge up into a question and a corresponding answer, and then write them in the appropriate columns. Doing Q&A notes like this has two benefits. In order to do that intellectual work of splitting each chunk of knowledge up into a question and an answer, you really need to engage quite deeply with the content. It's been said uh, by educational psychologist Daniel Willingham that memory is the residue of thought. And we know that the more deeply you think about something, the more likely you'll be able to remember it later. But there's another nice benefit to Q&A notes as well, which is also related to memory, but it comes into play a little later on when you want to swat up on your course for tests and exams. Rather than having to write separate study materials to learn from, your Q&A notes will give you a ready-made system with which to do retrieval practice straight away. Retrieval practice, by the way, as regular listeners may remember, is the most powerful principle for getting information into memory and having it stick there, especially when you combine it with spacing. If you're new to the ideas of retrieval practice and spacing, it's probably the single most important thing or two of the single most important things I'll ever be able to teach you. Um, So for more details, uh, do go back and check out some of our other episodes on the subject. For example, episode three, two powerful ways to improve memory. So to do retrieval practice with your Q&A notes, all you need to do is cover up the answers in the right-hand column and try and remember the answer to each question you've written down the left-hand column, either by rehearsing that answer in your head or by simply writing the answer out on paper, particularly if the answers are a little bit more complex or have multiple points to them. Then uncover that right-hand column and check that you got the answer right. On to question number four. We're past the halfway mark already. Um, As a bit of background to this one, uh, I wrote an email to everyone who gets exam study expert emails a few weeks back, uh, which was all about seven more advanced strategies for studying smarter, not harder. By the way, if you're not already on the email list and you'd like to be, just head to examstudyexpert.com forward slash free tips, where you can sign up and also claim your copy of my exam success cheat sheet as a welcome bonus, which breaks down some of the most powerful study strategies known to science, uh, including advice on how to use retrieval practice and spacing, uh, as I was mentioning a moment ago. Again, that's examstudyexpert.com forward slash free tips. So back to question number four, one of the strategies I'd shared in this email was on the value of pre-testing yourself. And the advice I'd written reads as follows. Generally, it's best to avoid rereading as a study strategy because it's one of the least effective ways you can spend your time. But if you really do need to reread something, perhaps if you've not thought about the topic in months, for example, then at least do this one trick before going into the rereading pre-test yourself. In other words, test yourself on what you know of the topic first, even if it feels hopeless and you barely remember anything. You're effectively ploughing the fields of your memory to make the seeds of knowledge take root more easily. In other words, when you come on to do that rereading, you will get far more out of it having done the pre-testing. A couple of people wrote back to me to ask for more details on how I recommend doing the pre-testing, which is a nice question. Uh, There are a few different ways, but one of my favourites is to simply grab a blank sheet of paper 
write the topic in the centre of the page, and then just write down all the information that's relevant to the topic that I can think of. If I'm not 100% sure of some knowledge, I'll put my best guess down. It doesn't matter if you write down things that are wrong at this point. And also, it really doesn't matter if you don't remember everything. That's not the point. It's still a fabulously helpful exercise, even if you're only remembering small portions of the knowledge from the topic. Then when you go back and study the topic again, you can check whether you've made any mistakes when you are writing down the information on that blank sheet of paper. This is a really important part of the process because we're hardwired to learn from our mistakes. So anything you did get wrong should stick better in your memory next time, provided you do, as I say, take that time to go and check uh, what you've written down and identify whether there are any errors in it. So to conclude, if you must reread your notes, at least challenge yourself to spend a few moments pre-testing yourself first. It won't take very long, but it's very powerful stuff. We're on to number five. So the final question I've got for you today came in via the new chat feature I put on examstudyexpert.com. And it comes from Chris, who asked me what's the best way to revise before an exam? I thought this was a great question. Now, uh, for anything related to do with things you should and shouldn't do during exam week itself, uh, and particularly when you're in sitting in the exam hall uh, actually taking an exam, I generally point people to my book, Outsmart Your Exams, which explains exactly how to manage your time and energy in and around big exams, and walks you through all the strategies you need to know in order to maximise memory recall, read the examiner's mind, and score every single mark you're capable of when it matters most. Uh, you can find that whole book on Amazon, just search for Outsmart Your Exams. So I'm going to, by way of answer to this question, I'm going to take a short extract from the book uh, on what to do the night before an exam. And this has some tips uh, in answer to that question of what you want to be doing in the final hours of your study for a particular exam paper. So here we go. Final preparations. You've already drawn up your master plan for exam week, see chapter two, so you should know when you're going to put in the final preparations for each of the exams you're sitting. But what should you actually be doing when you sit down at your desk for those final few hours of study? You may only have perhaps a couple of hours for your final, very final preparations on a subject before you sit the exam on it. So what's going to be the highest impact way to spend that time? Unless you've got a long gap, several days between papers, you generally won't have time to spend doing any new studying. So don't worry about learning new things. Don't worry about making new study or revision materials. And probably don't worry about practising whole papers under timed conditions, especially if your papers are long and exhausting, because you need to conserve your energy for the real thing. Instead, I'd suggest you want to focus on one, going broad. Review all the material for a paper or subject rather than getting drawn into one topic too deeply. Number two, revisit. Reuse any study materials you've already made. This isn't the time to make fresh ones, except maybe for some simple scribbling out of what you can remember about the topic from memory. More on that in a moment. And number three, as I said, preserve your energy. A packed schedule of exams, particularly if you're sitting multiple exams in a, in a row, that's going to demand a lot of focus and concentration from you throughout the week or throughout the weeks you're sitting them. Try not to exhaust yourself so much in your final preparations that you leave yourself with nothing left in the tank for the exams themselves. 
beyond those three ideas, what you do for the uh, final preparations, I think largely depends on the type of exam you're facing. For the purpose of this podcast recording, I'm going to talk about preparing for exams that are, at least in large part, a test of the knowledge you have and how well you apply it. If you want my thoughts on final prep for other types of exams, uh, check out the rest of the chapter 10 in Outsmart Your Exams. Uh, But so for now, here's how to prepare for papers that, as I say, are a test primarily of knowledge, testing what you know. The best thing you can do, I think, the day before such an exam is to test yourself on your study notes or flashcards. The best way to get information to stick in your memory and to make sure you can easily recall it in the exam is to practice pulling the information out of memory. This is the principle of retrieval practice, which we've mentioned a couple of times already today. Be strict with yourself when you're doing this testing. Try and remember the date, formula, translation, or whatever it is you're trying to remember. First, give yourself a good amount of time, a good few seconds to think about the answer, uh, and only look at the answer once you've really given it some careful thought. No early peeking. I'd suggest keeping a separate sheet of paper to hand to make a note of anything you find hard to remember, and practice recalling these trickier facts from memory repeatedly, spaced out with time intervals, until they start to stick. You can almost think of the final day of exam prep as being like the bottom of a funnel. You've hopefully spent some time before today distilling down your course content onto your preferred study materials, such as a set of flashcards. Um, And today you're distilling that information down further, maybe onto just one or two sides of paper, where you're just noting down those little nuggets of knowledge you couldn't remember accurately the first time around when you tested them. So you spend weeks distilling your course down to study notes, flashcards, uh, and then this final day, you distill that down yet further onto maybe just one or two sheets of paper, noting down uh, whatever it is you're still finding difficult to remember. Hopefully, the bits that you're still finding difficult to remember by this stage are only a minority of your entire course content, maybe 10 or 20%. As I say, keep a note of these troublesome facts, keep drilling yourself on them, keep trying to recall them from memory until you're confident. You can also keep this uh, sheet to hand and take a final look at it before you leave for the exam the next morning. Though just remember not to have it with you in your pocket when you actually get into the exam hall, because that could result in some trouble for you. The final thing I'll say on this is if you're a more advanced student with a vast body of information to learn, and medical school exams come to mind here as a good example, you might not have time or energy to test yourself on everything that the course uh, requires the day before the exam. It might just be too much, even when testing yourself relatively quickly. If that's the case, then you'll just have to prioritise. You could perhaps adopt a hybrid approach, splitting your time between going broad and skimming through your notes on all topics, just to kind of refresh your your, your kind of memory of those in consciousness, uh, and then maybe going deep on a few high priority topics with uh, that self-testing approach. Uh, So good luck uh, if you're facing exams and uh, for more tips and tricks for the morning of the exam uh, and especially for strategies for performing at your best in the exam hall itself, uh, do consider, as I say, treating yourself to a full copy of Outsmart Your Exams. And I've popped a link in the show notes for you to help you find that if you'd like. So there we have it. That wraps up my thoughts on five frequently asked questions about how to study effectively. I hope you've enjoyed this new Q&A episode format. 
Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And if people like it, I might make it a regular feature every now and again. The easiest way to get in touch these days is to head to the website at examstudyexpert.com and look for the purple chat feature in the bottom right hand corner. Or if you get my emails, uh, you can just reply to any of them to get in touch about anything uh, with questions or feedback anytime you like. If you're not currently getting my emails, then again, you can put that right by heading to examstudyexpert.com forward slash free tips, where you can sign up for them. And as a welcome bonus, uh, I'll even give you that copy of my exam success cheat sheet, which is packed with all the things you need to know to study smarter and ace your exams. That's examstudyexpert.com forward slash free tips. So, with that, that's a wrap on today. Uh, thanks ever so much for, for joining me for this uh, little episode. Uh, it's been great fun sharing some thoughts on these questions with you. Uh, I'm going to be back with one short final little episode to round off 2020 next week. Uh, so I look forward to seeing you then. Have a great week. Just before you go... Did you know you can hire William as your very own coach and mentor to show you the stress-free way to ace your exams by studying smarter, not harder? Find out how at examstudyexpert.com slash coaching.